I'm Christina Previtt. I'm John Knocklinger. And we are Previtt and Knocklinger. We have offices located in Middlesex County in Morris County, New Jersey. We practice exclusively family law and related matters. You can look at our website at centraljerseyfamilylaw.com. You can look us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and email us any questions at divorceduo at gmail.com. So today, what's our topic for today, John? <laughs> I know. You already forgot? I'm jumping way ahead. You already yeah, forgot. I feel I like we just that. had we just had this colloquy about really inappropriate subject matter that I don't know that I'm comfortable airing on the radio. <laughs> so I feel like we just put in a half an hour show. Well, you're so beat red from the conversation. I am. I am. It was risque. Risque. Maybe. We'll see if how much time we use today. Maybe we'll just stick it at the end. So, so that you, means you have to listen to the entire show. Absolutely. To so get you, to the juicy stuff. So what have you been up to this week? Um, I haven't been up to anything exciting. I mean, unless you call my mother's gallbladder surgery exciting. <laughs> Not really exciting. I mean, you know, I, she went to the hospital. I had sort of had to, you know, care for her a little bit and get her home and all that. So, Well, you know, I've been doing something very similar to gallbladder surgery, which is I've been watching the sitcoms that have been on at night, you know, the presidential debates. Oh, Yes. Uh, it's been it's been absolutely. <laughs> Who's crazy. your personal favorite? Um, or is well, that a personal question? Personal favorite. I mean, there's just so many wonderful um, comedians running that it's just hard to figure out. But you know, I I do think watching, you know, your favorite and the person that you're adamantly supporting with all of your being. Donald Trump has been very yeah. exciting. Well, don't even tell people that in jest. I because I, I was telling you earlier that when I see Donald Trump, I want to turn into the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> I want to turn into the Incredible Hulk and flip over at the television set. <laughs> I I used to think he was very entertaining when he was on The Apprentice and you know on whatever TV shows. But now that he's actually a presidential candidate, is that just is so disturbing to me? I don't know. I th I thought it was really fun the other night when he was trying to sell Trump steaks. I mean, I don't even know where can you buy Trump steaks? Do well, apparently, I heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> that is Donald Trump. He's here live. <laughs> Actually, that sounded more like Marco Rubio after Donald Trump was making fun of him. Oh, oh, come on. Do you like Donald Trump? No, not, not at all. But you know I what? Am. I was always wondering, do Trump steaks Shut up, come, baby. Do Trump steaks come from Trump cows? Do Are there Trump tr cows? Do they eat Trump Are grass? There? I don't know. It's It's been pretty crazy. But it's interesting. Um, we were talking about whether or not you uh, have seen this movie, Idiocracy, and you told me you haven't. So we're going to change that this weekend. Yes. But uh, it's it very interesting because a large part of that movie actually deals with attorneys and how the judicial system has turned into like uh, like WWF with like rings and everything. Yes, another, another classy show. Exactly. But... Um, Really, I think I think what's going on right now, I feel like we're the whole country's turned into that movie Idiocracy. So hopefully it won't, but we'll see what's going on. <laughs> so everyone watch that show. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> 
It must be that burrito you had last <laughs> yes, time. Yes, <laughs> that was another, you know, off-air conversation we were having is this enormous burrito that I had from Quidoba. I don't recommend it. I, I don't feel so good. <laughs> I'm pregnant with a burrito today. So now that we've gotten the lowbrow portion of the show over with, <laughs> so let, let's talk about let's talk about what's been in the news lately. Maybe that'll help us move us along. Although I'm not going to lie, we're going from Donald Trump now. We're going to talk about Chris Christie. I'm not quite sure that's much of an improvement in our conversation. But, well, they are so, twins. That that is true. Um, so and he does consume a lot of the Trump steaks. So in the news, <laughs> in the news we. Um, <laughs> Good job. <laughs> so in the news, uh, whether you've heard about this or not, you're going to be hearing about it a little bit more. And it's actually part, it's relevant to our conversation we're going to have today, which is why do divorces take so freaking long and why do they cost so much? Um, so we've had a vacancy on the New Jersey Supreme Court for a while because the governor, Chris Christie, and people in the legislature have been having a pissing contest over, you know... You know, they've been doing the whole Trump thing, measuring their hands, who's got the <laughs> biggest, you know what. So Donald Trump does have small hands. He does. does that I can't speak for anything else on his body, but. So uh, <laughs> uh, the mental images that I continue to get when I hear about this are just mind-numbing. Uh, so <laughs> so basically, what's, what's happened here is... Um, there are, just really quickly, the way that judges work in New Jersey is that you get appointed by the governor and then confirmed by the legislator for seven years, for a seven-year term. After your seven years is over, you have to be reappointed, you have to be reconfirmed, and then you get a lifetime appointment until you're age 70, and then you have to retire. And so what happens at the end of the seven years if, if that process doesn't occur? So if you don't get reconfirmed, you're out. You're just you're out there on the street looking for a job. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so what's going on right now is basically the governor has said, if you guys don't approve my new Supreme Court nominee, I'm not going to renominate any of the judges that are coming up. Which means there's about 23 judges that are up for renomination this year. Which means if he doesn't renominate any of them, we're going to lose up to 23 judges who have seven years of experience on the bench, creating a chaos situation yeah, around and, the state. And that actually is related to our topic today, which is why does my divorce take so freaking long? And we added a, a little bonus and cost so much. So we're going to go over that today. But this topic is related because if you think your divorce takes a long time now, one of the reasons for that, which we'll talk about, is because there's just not enough judges to handle all the flood of cases that are in the courthouse. So if we lose 23 judges, I think you can figure out that it's going to take even longer, exponentially longer, for your divorce to, to pass through the courthouse and, and get done. Yeah, so, I mean, we've basically, <clears throat> it sounds like the governor want, is fine with throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Yes, and I think this all tells us that Chris Christie, much like Bridgegate, does not care about, <laughs> we're not going to say Kanye West, he does not care about the citizens of New Jersey. He does not care how that <laughs> is going to affect the citizens of New Jersey. That's right. Well, that, that that's him, you know, taking a chainsaw, apparently, to the judiciary. So. Yes. 
and that is the, uh, the alien, the alien's landing, because that's clearly an alien has taken over Donald Trump's body and Chris Christie's body. I think if aliens landed right now and they took a look at what's going on, they'd probably be like, uh, we're out. Well, we're going to yeah, go to the next planet. We're out of here. We're going to come back when you people are more evolved. <laughs> so on to the topic of the day. Why does divorce say, take so freaking long and, bonus, costs so much? Yeah, because those are related. I mean, obviously, the longer your divorce takes, I always tell my clients this, the longer you hang around, the, the more money you're going to spend just because you have to pay me to keep doing things. Absolutely. So they really are related issues. So our first, uh, our first explanation for this is, and this is a little bit of a tough love show because some people are going to hear things that if I were to tell you this, if you were my client sitting in my chair, you might be a little bit offended. But we're just going to say it. You have to get over the emotions. We have brought this up in other shows. You have to treat your divorce largely like it's a business transaction. And um, John came up with a really good, really good slogan for today. I have to give you credit because it was clever. Well, thank you. It takes two to tango and one to litigate. So, um, and, and basically what that means is that even if you are being very reasonable and you want to settle and you just want to get done, if your spouse isn't in the same place that you are and wants to litigate and wants to be unreasonable and just doesn't want the divorce to be done is enjoying this tango, you're kind of stuck with it. You can't force them to settle. What do you think about that, John? Well, I, I agree with that 100%. And beyond that, I think that if people are really emotional and there's money to spend on lawyers, like cash available, the people will take that cash and say, fight my spouse, fight the battle, make them pay for what they've done to me, make them pay for ending the marriage. And they don't even really care about the other issues that are going on. They want to give money to an attorney who is somebody who is a business person and they need, they need the clients paying their bills yeah. in order to survive. And so they're more than happy to take the money and say, fine, I'll go fight your battle. I'll fight you for a while because the client wants them to do it. It's kind of an enabling situation on both sides um, because we don't have necessarily a lot of attorneys that are turning money away saying, oh, please don't give me that $10,000 <laughs> yeah. to go and fight your spouse that you really want to fight. Yeah. So, I mean, I you know, get over the emotions. It's easier said than done. But unfortunately, it's very yeah. important. And, and unfortunately, what happens a lot is people in the beginning, they are more emotional typically than they are at the end. And they, they don't want to think about all the money that they're spending now. But invariably, they always think about it later. And I think oftentimes they do have regret. Why did I litigate those, you know, those smaller issues? Why did I do that? It's kind of like me going to the mall when I get my paycheck and just, you know, spending it and getting all these wonderful new bags and shoes and then later going home thinking, oh, maybe, maybe that wasn't really such a good idea. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I always think of the fact that, you know, marriage takes, you know, what, five minutes to enter into? Yeah, and maybe. sometimes it takes a life, lifetime to get out of. Because, 
you know, you go through the divorce, and then sometimes after the divorce, you keep going back to court, going back to court, going back to court. If you're paying alimony, then when you're retiring, you have to deal with it again. Yeah, and there's always somebody, uh, the way I always explain it, there's always someone that's further ahead. It's kind of like the tortoise and the hare. You know, the, there's always someone that's further ahead because maybe that was the person that was thinking about it more seriously and had made the decision that I want to get a divorce. So there is a little bit of a period of time where you have to wait for the other person to sort of catch up. And I always tell people that could take a month or it could take a year. And that will cost you more money if the other person's not catching up. But you should at least give them some opportunity. You can't expect them to be in the same place mentally that you are. But at some point, you really do have to put aside the emotion. And, and <clears throat> I, and and Christina thinks this is too risque, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you really need to get to a point, you and your spouse, and talking is actually part of the process. I mean, just because you're getting divorced doesn't mean you shouldn't try to talk. And sometimes people have had an affair, and you know, someone's very upset. You really should try to talk. And really, the date you get divorced should be a very exciting time. Whereas Woody Allen said, the only time my wife and I had a simultaneous orgasm was when the judge signed the divorce papers. (laughs) And quite frankly, if that's what you've gotten to, you're in good shape because... You should look forward to that. You should. It's going to be, you know, it might be a very exciting time there in that courtroom. (laughs) So moving on to our, the second explanation for why divorces take so freaking long is something we already sort of addressed a little bit, is there's not enough judges and the court system is completely broken. Yeah, it really is. I'm always hearing from some older attorneys that, you know, back in the day, you used to get a trial date really quickly and you just would show up to court and you'd get your day in court and you'd get your trial and, and you know, it'd be done a few days later and things just moved along more quickly. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't happen that way anymore, but one of those explanations is that obviously that there's just a lot more people, a lot more people getting divorced. But also I just, I might get killed for this, but I just think that the judiciary is not quite as efficient as it used to be, at least from what I hear anyway. Um, we've said before, there's some really wonderful judges on the bench that are very thoughtful. They take the time to read everything and and really carefully analyze all of the issues and they know the law and they will spend time to, to make sure they get it right. But unfortunately, I think there are more judges that don't do that. Um, maybe because they're just too busy. There's just not enough time for them to get everything done, you know, reading all the papers and and I think they, I think a lot of judges, I'm not going to say any names, but I think a lot of judges are suffering from burnout. There's, there's just no way to, to do all of the work that they have. Well, I, and that, that goes back to there not being enough judges. I mean, the average yes. caseload for a judge, a family part judge in the state is about six to 700 divorces. Six That's to amazing. 700 divorces. I mean, can you imagine? And granted, not all of them are going to be like really intense divorces. Some of them are really simple divorces where people already have an agreement. But that's a lot of cases, which means the judge isn't going to remember your case unless you're the kind of case that's in court all the time, um, which which means you're paying a lot of money to begin with. Um, but really, it goes beyond the judges. We also have a breakdown in the way the court systems work in general. 
Um, it's hard to communicate with the court sometimes. It's hard to send things to the court and get responses in a timely fashion. Um, a lot of this stuff is really... Um, it's kind of, of like going to motor vehicles. It really is. I mean, it, quite honestly. It really is. And I, I don't really know what the answer is, but <clears throat> just getting more judges may or may not fix the problem because the other issue we have is most people, when they become judges, take a significant pay cut from what they were making in private practice, um, except a whole group of judges who were government attorneys. People that worked for the, the attorney general's office were prosecutors, and they're getting pay increases. So it's actually sort of a promotion. The problem is some of those people did, never litigated. They never had to deal with real clients. They didn't have to deal with people that were going through emotionally charged times in their lives. They didn't have to deal with people who were literally having to max out credit cards just to fight a spouse that's being completely unreasonable and make sure they get what they're entitled to. So. Yeah, and you have to remember, too, that all of the judges are human beings. So that means they have their own biases. They're not supposed to apply any of that to your case. But... I think it's only natural as human beings that that's, that's going to be present. And even if you try really hard not to eliminate that, at the end of the day, you're a human being and those biases are going to exist. So how do you think people can get around the broken judiciary? Well, I, I think as we were talking earlier, I really don't encourage people to litigate. I, I'm more and more as I experience the court system, I'm... I'm really strongly encouraging people not to litigate. There has to be some alternative, you know, going to mediation, going to mediation more than once. And I'm actually really considering trying to encourage more and more arbitration, uh, which we can talk about a little bit more, but the problem with that is it comes at a cost. Yeah, it, it does. And, and mediation, um, last week we spent the entire show on mediation, so... Um, you should um, go back, if you missed the show, go back and uh, go on the lovely YouTube channel. Um, Are you trying to sell steaks? I am. And they're a lot better than Trump <laughs> steaks, I'll tell you that. <laughs> tell you that. I'll also build you a wall that's going to be a be big, beautiful wall that's going to be 100 feet tall. Do I have to pay for it? Uh, no, Mexico is. Okay. So um, <laughs> another reason that divorces take so freaking long are children. Yes. So why do children make divorces take so freaking long? Well, if you truly have a contested custody dispute, that's going to take time because obviously children are the most important aspect of a divorce case. If, if you have children and if custody is an issue, that's something that will... And for some of the other reasons we're going to get into, you may need to have a custody evaluator in the case. Um, you may go to mediation several times. So that will prolong the case, and we would never suggest that if there truly is a custody issue, that people try to rush that along. But I have to say, most of the cases where we're arguing about custody, I often feel that it's not really a custody issue. Well, Very often, people just use the children as just another thing to fight about. Well, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I always think part of the problem, too, is that a lot of the other stuff in the case, you can't get resolved until custody is resolved. So sometimes custody sort of stops you yeah. in place because you can't really resolve a lot of support issues until, you know, how many, how often the kids are going to be with each parent. But what really, and it goes back to what we started this off with, with the motions is a lot of people, in my opinion, turn into kids when they're fighting about their kids. 
They, yeah. they, they lose sight of the fact that they're the adults and they just, they're fighting about complete and utter nonsense They and they, they turn into children themselves. Well, again, it comes from making emotional decisions. It comes from thinking about things emotionally. And you might say that, you know, we don't know what we're talking about, you know, because we haven't been through it. But I think to some to some degree, we're actually better able to give you this advice because we haven't been through it, because we can, we're not involved. We are seeing it sort of a little more objectively than you are if you're the one that's going through the divorce. No, absolutely. So um, take, going away from the uh, litigants themselves or the uh, two people going through the divorce, another reason why divorces take so freaking long is the attorneys themselves. Yeah, that probably should have been at the top of the list. And, you know, we, we, we probably don't really like attorneys that much, do we, John? Can not, I say that? Not really. No. Except us, of course. But yeah, we're, You're we're, wonderful, John. Don't ever change. You're, you're, just, you're incredible, <laughs> Christine. You're the best attorney I know. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, think, I really think people do, our clients, they all talk about that <laughs> behind our backs, of course. They, everybody complains about their lawyer. They always blame the lawyer for whatever's not going right in their case, whatever their husband or wife is not doing that they're supposed to be doing. And so some of those things really are beyond our control. But I, I definitely firmly believe that there are plenty of attorneys out there that they want to make a buck. They, they do want to sometimes keep your case going because, let's face it, they're making money off your case. And they are just litigious. Now, that's what they do. If you go to a surgeon, they're going to tell you that you need surgery, right? Um, if you go to a chiropractor, they're just going to tell you that you need an adjustment. Well, but, but not all attorneys are like that. I always No, think, they're not. Not you, all attorneys are I that I think way. you really know based on how much money they're asking from you to begin with. And what I mean by that is that there are attorneys, and we know them, out there who will, tell, will take, a let's say, a $10,000 retainer on a case where there's no kids, um, there's W-2 employees, so it's not like people that own their own company, and they just have a 401k and a house and a car. It's a, a fairly simple situation, and they'll tell you, these attorneys will tell you to your face, the case will be over when the retainer has been used. Yeah. I, I have heard it. Um, yeah, I've it's kind of like, you know, if I'm sort of a, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. So if you give me two weeks to do something, I'm probably going to take two weeks to do it. So it's the same kind of philosophy. If you, and I'm not saying that I'm this way, but some attorneys are this way, that if you give them $10,000 for your divorce, they're going to take $10,000 to get you divorced. And I think we're oversimplifying it because most people, if they have a, a truly contested divorce, they're probably not going to get divorced in $10,000. That would probably be a case where it was mostly amicable. Would no. you agree? Oh, I completely agree. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm quoting today. I've got all these quotes. But I found a quote that I think really symbolizes a, a large chunk of attorneys. Not all attorneys are like this, but yeah. there's enough out there that it makes a bad name for everybody. Yes, it, it does. It makes it gives attorneys a bad reputation. Right. So I found this quote: "A lawyer is never entirely comfortable with a friendly divorce, any more than a good mortician wants to finish his job and then have a patient sit up on the table." <laughs> so I mean, I think, <laughs> I think drum that, roll. Wait, we need drum rolls. We drum kinda... rolls. Um, <laughs> 
And we left off with uh, the suggestion that attorneys can be the problem. I just want to add one thing to that, that it, it, just in case it wasn't coming through, is that sometimes there are attorneys that will rather than encourage people to settle and be more reasonable and, and compromise, because you do have to compromise. You can't just show up with a list of this is everything that I want and I'm not going to budge off these things. That's not going to settle your case. And sometimes you get attorneys that are the same way, that they have this list that this is what I want and we're not going to compromise off of that. And that's not going to settle your case. Yeah, that's what'll happen. You go down the black hole of divorce. Yeah, well, you right? know, yeah, you do. And and um, before we move on, there was a we'll call it a documentary that came out recently. I'm not going to plug the name because I'm I'm not a big fan of it. But there's a lot of people out there that actually think that attorneys and judges sort of conspire to um, encourage litigation to go on because uh, divorces. Um, nationwide is a $50 billion a year industry between all the experts, the lawyers, everyone involved. So some people do believe that it's all set up to be a money-making scheme. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, you may not know that that's what you've fallen into until you're actually part of, a, a part of the process. Um, but I will say that for the most part, most of our colleagues, I think, are very good um, decent people who try very hard to get resolutions as quickly as possible. Uh, but there's enough people out there that don't do that. They provide a bad name for all of us. Yeah, and if you want to know if your attorney is like that, I think that should be apparent to you if your attorney is never suggesting that, suggesting that you compromise on anything. If your attorney is always telling you, you know, to, to go to court, to file a motion, we're going to fight over this, uh, and is very combative. I think that's probably a sign that they're very litigious. And you might like that in the beginning. You might think, wow, you know, this attorney's really good. He or she's going to fight for me. I feel protected. But there is a time and a place for that. Sometimes it's appropriate to be a little more aggressive. But it's never appropriate to be aggressive all the time. And quite frankly, when you start having to liquidate all of your assets to pay the attorney, maybe maybe they'll start to clue you in that maybe... Being aggressive is not always what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, do a little test. Tell your tell your attorney you, you can't give them that, that new $10,000 check right away. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> yeah. They're on, they're on the train running away. So um, moving on, the next thing that uh, makes divorces take so long is the discovery process. And, we'll, yeah. we'll and what's discovery, John? Because I get deer in the headlights uh, when I say discovery. Discovery, I always tell people it's the exchange of information. And, uh, you know, you would think in a marriage most people have access to all the same information, but no one ever does. And um, the discovery process, basically what happens is each side um, sends a list of documents and questions that they want the other side to answer. Now, now they're so, called interrogatories and notice to produce. Yeah, I was just trying not to bore people with the names of the documents. Well, you know. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so then you have a certain time period to answer these um, documents. Sometimes you'll get a list of, you know, 30 questions and 30 documents to produce. And now when does that ever happen, John? That's never happened to me. And sometimes it's 200 questions or 200 sets of documents. So... And what happens is, you know, you send these to the other side, and if you're dealing with one of the attorneys that is not 
let's say, easy to work with or you deal with somebody who's so pissed off on the other side that they really want to stick it to their spouse, you get what we lovely refer to as a deficiency letter, which basically means you didn't respond the way I wanted you to respond, so try again. You know what? I really don't even think the clients have much to do with the discovery. I really think that is it's completely the attorney's fault because the attorney should be sitting down with the client and saying, what do you know about your assets? What do you know about your finances? You know, what documents can you get on your own? If you, if you have joint bank accounts, you can get the bank statements yourself. If there's other things that maybe is in your spouse's name, then yes, you do, do need to request those things. But don't sit down and get, you know, the past 10 years of bank statements and the past 10 years of the Macy's department store credit card statements if you don't need them for anything. It's a complete waste of time. And not only that, your attorney's going to charge you. Yes. I mean, sometimes discovery by itself can be five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars of legal fees because your attorney will has to review everything that you've given to them before they send it to the other side. Yes, and a little a dirty little secret, most attorneys don't ever look at those things. Because which kind of proves the point. They're not important. They don't need them. So I will I'll serve discovery demands. But I'll really encourage my client, if you don't need this stuff, let's try to settle the case. Let's not try to get five years of bank statements if we don't really need them. Do you know what really, do you know what happens a lot? Um, once the discovery is exchanged, the, the demands, I've had it happen so many times that my clients contacted me and said, I spoke to my my spouse and we don't really want to do this. Oh yeah, I love when they do that. The, see, that's an example of two attorneys, in my opinion, that can't talk to each other for whatever reason and are just going through the motions. It's yeah. like getting up in the morning you know, and brushing your teeth and pouring your coffee. They've just done it a million times and they're just gonna do the same exact thing with every single case. But every case is unique and you may not need to do that. <laughs> You gotta do a little dance for him. John is dancing now. You can't see him. He's doing the robot. I am dancing. <laughs> um, <laughs> we we really really need to think about doing our next show with a bottle of wine. I think that would really yes. make things much more interesting in here. I think we should do because that. you know what, um, you know it's it, I think it would just really bring out more creative juices. For I think you guys. it would. Probably so, more curse words too. Yeah. Well, we're on the. Apparently, uh, that's not a problem for us on, on this radio station. And if you're offended by curse words, you can send us an email at divorceduo at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> Provide us a list of the words you don't want us to say. Yeah, so we'll make sure we say them. Well, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and that's how it's going to work. So um, moving on, um, the next thing that uh, makes divorces take so long are bad temporary arrangements. And we call them pendente lidi arrangements. Pendente lidi is a Latin Or term. pendente lite, depends mm. who you ask. So basically, what this means is, once you start a divorce, uh, one of two things might happen uh, that would help prolong your divorce. One might be that you ask the judge to award temporary support while the divorce is going on. Yeah, and the way you do that is by filing a motion. Right. And let's say, let's say I'll, I'll, I'll be stereotypical for a couple minutes. Let's say the wife gets an award that's higher than she's ever going to get at the end of the case. 
Well, what incentive does she now have to ever settle the case? Yeah. Because now she's sitting here getting, let, let's say at the end of the case, she's really going to get an alimony of $3,000 a month, but the judge has awarded her four or $5,000 a month for whatever reason. <clears throat> yeah, but the, re but the reverse is true as well. If you've got, and we're generalizing with gender, so yeah. please don't be offended. Um, if the husband's paying such a great amount, it's so low that he knows down the road his alimony is going to be much higher, what incentive does he have to settle? Why should he? He may as well just wait it out and keep paying the low amount. It's really hard to convince the husband to agree to pay more. Oh, absolutely. I, and the other, the other side of it is you might, have, you might not even have an order from a judge I mean, an order could be by consent too, but you, you might not even have an order from a judge. You might have a man who's moved out of the marital home, moved into their own apartment, because who wants to live with the person they're divorcing? I mean, good Lord, that's, that, that's, that's like funny town. I mean, I, I, mean, I couldn't even do it. I mean, what, you want to go uh, in yeah. the kitchen the morning, make your coffee, you know, oh, you're going to see your divorce attorney today? Oh, I'm going to go see mine. So we can, you know, so they can send letters to each other and we can each deduct, you know, another Three hundred dollars from yeah, a bank account. It's uncomfortable. But um, the man, let's say the man moves out, moves into his own apartment, but he's still paying the, you know, the the mortgage and the utilities on the house because their attorney has told him you have to because you've been doing it during the marriage. Well, after a while, what do you always get? Well, what's ha why do I have to keep paying this? Why do I have to keep paying the mortgage? And we have yeah. to always tell them because if you don't, and she goes to court, the judge is going to compel you to. And oh, and by the way, you're going to have to pay me thousands of dollars to go into court and argue that on your behalf. So again, that creates an incentive if you know if I'll say the wife is you know nesting in the house, sitting on an egg, waiting for it to hatch. <laughs> I mean, what incentive do you have to settle the freaking case? I mean, it's like you you really yeah. Don't I mean, have a case. strategically, sometimes we'll tell people don't leave the house. I know you're uncomfortable there. I know you want to move out, but don't move out because you're going to make it too comfortable for the other person because you just left and they don't have to deal with you. They're not uncomfortable. Absolutely. So the next... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the next Ooh, issue... That's making me want to go to Atlantic City. <laughs> really? You like roulette? It's, yeah. Well, you know, maybe you could bet all the marital assets on red. Oh, okay. so, sorry, they're all gone. What do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> like your like your friend that you met in AC. Yeah, and, well, ago. I would always tell people. Well, you know, if I had hit it on red and doubled our marital assets, you'd want half of that, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I'm sure they would have brought it home <laughs> and brought it, gave it to wifey. <laughs> Here, wifey, look what I made today. <laughs> so the the next reason divorce takes so freaking long is the complexity, just because of the complexity of the issues. Um, it's not really a not really a fun reason, but it just so happens if you know if, if one party owns a company, it's not so easy to uh, resolve the divorce sometimes because a lot of times people have no idea how much their company's worth. They really don't. That's right. And what we mean by complex issues, it's not you know somebody's got um, what are those baskets, those baskets that people collect. I forget what they're called. They start with an L. Long burger or something like that. I had a case one time where that was one of the big issues was the husband could not have cared less about these baskets, but he knew that the wife wanted them and that they were important to her. She collected them and they're somewhat valuable, but the number that she had really, they really weren't worth fighting about. So that's not a complex issue. 
a complex issue really is if there's a business, if there's something where an expert, like an accounting expert or, or a custody expert, if that truly is an issue in the case. Those are more complex issues. Not, you know, someone's got graded baseball cards in their garage and, you know, the people can't agree on who gets what. Yeah, or, or let's say you got a significant amount of premarital money and um, we're having to kind of trace and see whether or not it ever became marital at any point and trying to figure out what part is going to be exempt from being divided and what part isn't. I mean, there are some reasons why divorces take long, but even then, even then, yeah. the divorce shouldn't take that long. No, it's it's really it's truly is the personalities of the parties that that um, prolong the case. And and like we said at the beginning of the show, it can just be the one. It could be the one person who just can't move forward that keeps the litigation going. Yeah, the one person, or or as we also said, it could be one of the attorneys. That's right. With with, with a client that isn't just is just really kind of being submissive to their own attorney and letting them run the show. Um, and really letting them cause all these problems. So, you know, whatever. It's, it, it's kind of one of those things. It's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, if, it's co- if the issues are complex, as long as you start trying to deal with them quickly and early, it's not, it shouldn't make the case take so long. Yeah. I totally agree with you, John. And our next suggestion is uh, waiting too long to start settlement discussions. So we just said that sometimes you need some discovery. There does have to be some exchange of information, but you don't have to wait for all of that to be done to have some idea what you want. I mean, you should probably know when you go speak to your attorney, you must have some general idea what you want, you know, what would make you feel comfortable. And then when you speak with your attorney, you get more specific information and and maybe that attorney will help you fine-tune what your options are because he or she will tell you what your rights are, what your potential obligations will be. But don't wait until a year to start communicating what you want to the other side. I can't tell you how many times um, I sit on um, what's called the ESP panel in Middlesex County, and that's the early settlement panel. It's about six months into every case where everyone has to come to court and present sort of the facts to a panel of two lawyers who give recommendations um, to the uh, litigants on how they should settle their case. I can't tell you, 80 to 90% of the time when I panel these cases, the lawyers have never discussed settlement, and the first time the parties are seeing what the other side's even looking for is at that conference. It happens Yeah, it's constantly. really amazing, and that just goes to show you when you, get a, when you want to get a divorce and you start the process, what are your goals? Obviously, your goal is to get the divorce, but what else? What are you trying to get out of it? You need to know that pretty early in the case. Well, what are we doing here? Well, what is know, this dance for? What you do know, divorce is from the Latin word meaning to rip a man's genitals through his wallet, right? I wasn't aware of that, John. Well, you need to listen to me. Who said that? If you listen to Robin Williams a little bit more before his untimely passing, maybe you would understand He was that. a wise man. He was very wise. But um, <laughs> I have I, to tell you, though, when I can't tell you how many times, and let us know if you've had this experience, I will send settlement proposals to the other side. All I get back is no. They just reject it. 
Well, tell me what you want. What, what was my ex-partner one of the people you were sending one to? No, I never had a case with her, <laughs> and we don't want to badmouth anybody. But that's also astounding to me, is don't just say, no, we don't want that. Well, what do you want? Give me a counteroffer. Well, you know, I always, uh, what I've been telling everyone now is I don't want to even file a complaint for divorce because I don't like the court system right now. Yeah. Let's try to settle your case before anyone even files, which people are like, really? You can do that? I know you could do that. Um, because, th like, that's just not the way the world, like, is sort of conveying divorces anymore. But, like, custody. You don't need to wait for an exchange of your retirement accounts to try to discuss what nights of the week your kid's going to be spending with who. So just because you might need to exchange a little discovery doesn't mean you can't try to sell parts of your case. And I think that's lost on a lot of people. But um, as but a, attorneys should be telling the clients that attorneys sh should be trying to do that. They should be if they're if they're going to be part of the solution and not the problem. They should be telling their clients that. And um, you know, not everyone you know views this the same way we do. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that you know really advocate this this process called collaborative law, which we're not going to discuss on this show because uh, Christine and I are not uh, necessarily on board. What? You never talked to me about that. Don't speak for me, John. <laughs> <laughs> mm, all those collaborative cases you do. You know what? I think collaborative is just a fancy word, you know, for this other process that should be occurring in every divorce anyway. It's almost like a way to just say to all the litigators or, or to kind of present to people that don't litigate your case, you know, come over here. We're just gonna, we're gonna do collaborative law. But if you have a good attorney and both people have attorneys that are more mediation minded, they're gonna do the same thing. Yeah, it's just that you don't have to have necessarily a process in place. So that, that leads us to um, another reason why divorces take so long is that there might be experts involved in the case. Um, now, experts, um, in short, take forever to do their work, and they cost a extreme amount of money. Um, and yeah, I mean, a, a, a retainer for an expert, whether it's a custody expert or an accountant, is at least five thousand. I've never heard of anybody having lower than five thousand dollar retainer. No, and usually there's six, seven, or eight. I mean, mm -hmm. usually, and that's that retainer's gone very fast. Yeah. Um, and that's if you if you need a custody evaluator, they almost always take four to six months to do their work. And then if you need a forensic accountant, in other words, someone to look at someone's business or try to f figure out where money went, oh, you're talking about 12 months probably. Yeah. And, and you're going to be crying the entire time <laughs> when you start to get those bills. Because guess what? Your attorney's sending bills, the accountant's sending bills, and now all of a sudden, all the money you're trying to look for is completely and yeah. You just gone. spent it all. Yes, so. and you're crying because I'm crying because the case is too long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so finally, once you've gone with the whole, once you get divorced, it's not over. It's not over. There's things that still have to be done after the divorce is over, and that's when we say divorces take so freaking long. It's like from the time you start the process until the time you're literally done with everything. It's, you know, it might take you a year and a half to get divorced or a year to get divorced, but it might take you another 12 months to resolve all of the post-divorce crap that you've got to get done. And that means dividing accounts, yeah. dividing real estate. I mean, when you leave the courthouse steps because you just got your divorce, 
you're not really free at that point. You still do have some other things that you have to do. No, absolutely. So, you know, I, I know that this doesn't really give uh, too many suggestions on how to make it a lot better. I mean, we're just trying to explain why divorces take so long because that seems to be the biggest complaint of everyone is that they just take so long. And at least this can give you a, a, some idea of why it takes so long. And maybe it can, you can yeah. think of some ways to help the process. If you want a fast divorce, this is what you need to do. You need to sit down with your spouse you need to iron out an agreement as to how you're dividing mm -hmm. your assets, what, you know, some general ideas, what alimony will be, what child support will be, and what, more importantly, your custody arrangement will be. If you already know that, you're done. That's the hard part. So we're going to really quick talk about some more stories just for a minute or two. And uh, basically, we, we both have been involved with so many cases where um, we've had either our clients or adversaries that we know are increasing the length of the case and increasing the cost. Yeah. And a lot of times it's beyond your control. Um, I know Christina was telling me earlier that um, kind of the opposite side of what we've been talking about is that as an attorney, we kind of know what's fair and not fair. Yeah, we have a general idea. And I've actually had a few cases more recently where my clients were willing to compromise much more than I had even recommended. And there's sort of a divide, I think, in the legal community. You will find attorneys that will get very upset if their client will not demand more. And I don't feel that that's my role. I feel that my role is to educate my client, let him or her know this is what you're entitled to, at least with a range, and they can figure out what they are comfortable compromising. I don't think that's for me to decide. So I had a couple of cases more recently. I mean, usually that's not the problem. Usually you have people that want too much and you have to talk them down. But recently I had a few where they were giving away a lot. And, you know, it's kind of my initial inclination to kind of put the brakes on. But I just made sure that they knew what they were giving up that they understood that once you sign this document, it's done. You can't change your mind later. So if you're going to have regrets, you might want to really think about this. And it was two people in particular that I'm thinking about, and they both said, no, I'm comfortable with this, and this is what I want, and I just want to be done. And I, I say bravo to them. Well, I mean, I, I think that uh, that happens quite a bit. But, well, thank you for joining us on today's show. 